You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Closer look at the Phoenix Suns playoff upside here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter and on Instagram at Locked On PHX Suns, and you can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Clean 14. Yes, we're going to take a look in a couple of different ways at what types of teams the Suns have had a good shot at beating this year, who has given them challenges, and then some of the player-based stuff here, dig into the matchups, what types of guys give the Suns' best players trouble, what kinds of players can the Suns' best players dominate, and I think all angles of that are good as we hit a break here with the All-Star break coming up Friday through Thursday, the Suns have, or Friday through Wednesday they have off, they don't play uh, after this Thursday's game against the Warriors again until a game in Portland next Thursday. So a little bit of time here to to decompress and think about some of this stuff. And as we get into the stretch run, I think it's obviously worth looking at a lot of big wins this year. If you think about it, like just take a step back and think how many demonstrative, pretty impressive wins, like think all the way back to, to New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, the Suns beat the Jazz and the Nuggets on back-to-back nights on the road. Really, really impressive. They beat the Pacers at the peak of their powers back on January 9th. They beat Dallas two times in a row. Maybe not so impressive with Dallas's season, but certainly a lot of momentum on those. They beat the Bucks and the Sixers within the span of four days in mid-February and beat Portland pretty resoundingly. I think that's a pretty good win, blowing Portland out of the water Uh, with the way that the Trailblazers for a lot of this season were pretty competitive teams. So a lot of good ones, and it hasn't felt like a fluke. They've really dominated good teams all season long. So let's, let's look a little closer at what has helped the Suns in some of those matchups be particularly successful. I think a lot to me of, of the connective tissue on some of those is um, a, we'll get into it with, with players. um, But not having somebody that Devin Booker can score against, so we'll hit on that in the next segment, or that can that can defend him is what I mean, that that he has problems against. There are very few in the league, but there are some defenders who have had success against him. Any team that doesn't have one of those, the Suns are having a good shot at, at beating. Secondly, DeAndre Ayton, a, a, big, a, a big man or a bigger forward-type playmaker who, Dev, who DeAndre Ayton can guard has been really helpful. Giannis, Zion, etc., So we'll get into those in the next segment. Those are more player-oriented, but it is obviously impacting how the team can game plan night to night, and I'm talking about the Suns. Um, But also, you think just schematically, right? Like, the clear one on the negative is that the Suns have a hard time against teams who can go small and spread you out. And I think we've really seen that in the month of February. The Suns have only lost three games in February, and now we're, we're we're done with February, so they had an impressive, I believe, thirteen and three record in the month. Awesome stuff, of course. <clears throat> it was twelve and three, um, but the three the three losses all tell the same story. New Orleans on February third, Zion goes off. 
Um, and the Suns just him him in the with in the perimeter with the ball in his hands, time and again scoring. Suns don't have a great answer for it. Jay Crowder, not good. Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, all these guys sort of getting eaten up a little against Zion. The Nets, February 16th, four-point loss. James Harden comes back. We talked about that game ad nauseum at the time. Very sort of big turning point, I think, in how we thought about this team and the holes that it exposed. Transition defense, switching, help defense, um, just overall focus and things like that. Monty got some fire on that game for not adjusting enough. I think there are a lot of things that that game made us think about. At the end of the day, that game flipped because Steve Nash went small with his team. James Harden did his thing. Guys like Jeff Green, Joe Harris, Tyler Johnson make some shots, Landry Shamit, and the Suns are not able to keep up scoring the ball or get enough stops to change the outcome of that game. James Harden goes uh, goes off in the final few minutes. That game is history. Hornets, very similar this past week, where LaMelo Ball is doing this many of the same things. Uh, late in that game, they go small. Um, you know, Bismack Biombo actually in there for some of their run, but at the end, you know, P.J. Washington at center. They have a lot of uh, Miles Bridges minutes that go pretty well. Malik Monk has a night for himself. Cody Zeller only plays 18 minutes in that game. They're sort of ground-bound traditional center, right? So that's the through line, and that's going to be tough. We'll get into in the final segment going a, a through some of the Western Conference playoff matchups that they might face and which ones from what we've learned are good and which ones might be bad and, and all and all the rest. But when I look at that, pretty clearly to me, uh, I would be worried about the, the Clippers. I mean, it's pretty hard not to look at how that team can be so versatile and not worry if you're the Suns because that has doomed them. Yes, they... Um, Played the Clippers pretty close on January 3rd, but they lost. And Paul George went off. Kawhi Leonard did his thing. The Suns didn't have a great answer for just their depth and their um, overall sort of versatility on defense, but also on offense with how many guys can handle the ball. Marcus Morris didn't even play in that game. So they're a lot more versatile now and, and even a, a different and tougher matchup in a lot of ways. So I think the Clippers are the easy one there. That's uh, a big indicator for me. I would also sort of say, like, all in all, the Suns tend to control the pace of their games, and I trust Chris Paul to continue to do that in the postseason. I also think his desire to play slow doesn't mean he cannot play fast, so if a game does get up and down a little bit, we've seen him still be able to make a difference, and and obviously he's won and he's played in and won all sorts of different types of playoff games in his career, but... I think a team that, that feels comfortable naturally in transition can be a little bit tough. Like the Suns, yes, beat Milwaukee and Philadelphia, but you didn't like walk away from those saying if these teams, you know, and yes, it's the East, so it would be a finals matchup and that's unlikely, but those teams teach us a lesson that it's a handful for the Suns to deal with when, you know, DeAndre Ayton is still a young big man. They don't have awesome guard defenders for the most part it's like Mikhail Bridges can defend one guy and then after that you're relying a lot on the team defense and so 
you know, a team that can get up and down, get the Suns uncomfortable in that way, and just require the, the transition fast break game to be such a focus possession to possession, I think that is a challenge as well. And yes, that goes hand in hand with being spread out in that way. Um, and, and we even like set that aside, the teams that naturally do that. We've even seen some, seen some teams adjust and get away with that as well. Think about the Denver back-to-back in late January. The Suns lost both of those games. First one goes to single overtime. Second one goes to double overtime. And just the Nuggets' ability to adjust on the fly, have their smaller lineup with Jermichael Green at center, sort of spread the Suns out, play a little faster, get the Suns uh, out of rhythm on the other end by switching. And then when Nikola Jokic is in there, just the rhythm and and suave and efficiency that he plays with is all was all just a lot for the Suns to handle. DeAndre Ayton gets in foul trouble. That was a game to me where it wasn't, you know, a blitzkrieg of, of just a team that runs down your throat, but it was a team that played with good rhythm offensively and was able to adjust based on what the Suns are not good at and play a little smaller that night and come away with the win. So I think those are some of the things, you know, a really, really high-powered offense, a team that can adjust, a team that has the ability to play small. Those are a lot of the things I'm looking at. I don't necessarily feel like there's a defensive thing that we've seen consistently beat the Suns. To me, the Suns on offense a lot have beat themselves. If the Suns have had a bad offensive night, it's because they've been too reliant on the three or Devin Booker or Chris Paul just had an off night. I don't really feel like I'm worried about the offense much at all as long as they avoid forcing things that aren't working, You know, forcing it into the post, forcing um, threes, not passing the ball, not sharing the ball. Those all are problems, but that's not a thing I'm worried about from a matchup perspective. That's the Suns. And so it's really a lot about what kind of uh, opposing team offense are they going to face and can they handle it. And some of the time we've seen them not be able to, those are the through lines. So we'll go player by player and then close out here with some teams that I'd be We'll go we'll go optimistic to start and then we'll really close the show with the negative. Uh, so you can save that for the end. But we'll take a quick break first and come back with the player by player. I want to talk specifically about Aiton, Booker, and Bridges. But first, don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, uh, just normal guy, right? At the desk talking to you in a microphone, just trying to make it through the day tension free. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just, again, the stresses of your everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. They do have a lot of information and and pictures and everything you could need on the website. The Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. So it works, it gets deep, you can check it all out, very personalized and customized, and again, don't have to be a high-level physical specimen for this to do its job. Theragun is trusted 
by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, Arizona Cardinals receiver DeAndre Hopkins, and tennis star Maria Sharapova, in addition to hundreds of thousands of customers and me. The Theragun really works. I'm not always like a massage guy. They kind of wear me out. We went to a really nice one once, my fiance and I, and I left more exhausted and wiped out than I went in with. But this is perfect. It's not overwhelming, but it really does work out the kinks. And I do have like back pain and uh, like leg, calf stuff sometimes. It's it's really workable anywhere. And it, again, really, really does the trick. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. All one word, the name of our network. Again, theragun.com slash locked on. Today's show is also brought to you by Rock Auto. If you're looking for a way to save money this year, look no further than doing your own car work. Yes, that might sound maybe different than what you would expect, right? You're going to spend money on your car to save money? Well, yes, because Rock Auto exists, and it's there to help you do just that. Most of the time, you walk into a chain store or the dealership or anywhere else, and they're going to charge you a whole ton of money for any part you're looking for because they're going to try to make money on you. They're going to think you're a sucker. They're going to think, okay, this guy's just trying to do it himself. He'll pay us whatever we tell him. But Rock Auto does not do that. They do not charge different tiers of price for pros versus do-it-yourselfers. They do not change their prices based on the market, and they don't even require a membership to shop. RockAuto.com is a family business. They want you to succeed. They want you to save that money doing it yourself. And I don't know, it's kind of fulfilling, right? You put a part in your car, you feel like you did something, you feel like you didn't have to rely on somebody else, and you, you know, get some manual labor in, get a workout in sometimes as well. So you're going to go to RockAuto.com. You're going to look through their parts for your car or truck. You're going to see what they have. Guarantee you it'll be a lot, pretty much, Whatever you can imagine, they will have some variety of low prices, tons of parts, everything uh, that you're looking for. And when you go to the website, you're going to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, back here talking through some of the player matchups that I'm interested in either positively or negatively. When it comes to the Suns, I wanted to remind you as well to check out Locked On Today. Peter Bukowski, our wonderful host of that show, gets you ready every morning for the sports stories of the day. Headlines, scores, guests, everything to get you ready, including the cue of the day, the biggest debate in sports. It's nice right now. It subs in for the water cooler talk that we're all missing. So fabulous show. Listen to it wherever you get your audio. Player-wise here with the Suns matchups, let's start with Devin Booker because I actually think looking through this, you'd be hard-pressed to go through his game log this season and form some sort of general theory about the types of defenders he struggles against. I don't know if you guys know, he's been in single digits one time all year. One game this season has Devin Booker scored in single digits. That was a loss a victory, I mean, over the Pelicans on December 29th. You'll remember that game. It was on national TV. It felt like, okay, here's the Suns, because they were kind of had this weird 
couple of games in Sacramento, games two and three of the season. This was the fourth game of the season. They blow Pelicans out of the water, and Book only plays 26 minutes. So he doesn't have to score because the threes just go in and, and the game gets out of hand early. So he only scored eight points in that one. That's the only single-digit game. The only other one he, he struggled in actually is our indicative point here. I, I think that this is the one you want to look at because it's been the case with him for a little bit. And so it's Memphis on Martin Luther King Day. Book is 5 of 21 in that game, does not get to the free throw line, has four assists, but three turnovers. So not a great playmaking game, not a great scoring game, very low efficiency, all of that, obviously a bad night. Who did he get defended by? Dylan Brooks. And that's a player who fits the mold of the type of guy you want to think about when you're wor- if you're trying to come up with okay who would we be worried about in the playoffs if we're the Suns come May and it's not the I'm not saying it's the Grizzlies but I'm saying it's Brooks who is big a little bit bigger physically than Booker in terms of uh you know physique strength that type of stuff a guy who's going to get book off of his spots who's going to just play with energy on defense. And the other one was actually a game that Booker missed. So I don't know what the results would have been, but we know this guy has given him trouble as well over the past couple of seasons, especially last regular season, which is Lou Dort and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Very similar physically to Dylan Brooks. I think Dort is an even better defender. I think he's a more dedicated and just smarter player overall. So, you know, he doesn't, play as chaotically as Brooks can and doesn't have to do as much on offense. So he's just this really pesty uh, problem to deal with on the defensive end when you play the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Booker was hurt for that game, like I said, so he didn't play in that one. The Suns did lose that game. Dort had a pretty nice night on both ends, if I'm remembering correctly. So those are the two. And fortunately, uh, neither one of those guys really is going to make much of an impact on the playoff race, I don't think. We'll see. Memphis has been playing a little better lately. They got Justice Winslow back. They might be somebody the Suns do see come playoff time. We'll see how things shake out. The Thunder, not so much. So that's not more of a team thing, but it's like, do does the opposing team have a player like that? And going through the West, I'll get to it. I know of, I can really think of one team that worries me when it comes to that. It might not be who you're thinking about. So we'll get into that in the next segment, but I wanted to hit DeAndre Ayton as well. And I want to give the big man some credit because I I said team-wise early in this show that the teams that allow Aiton to do what he's best at on defense, defending a guy like Giannis, defending a guy like Zion, those are actually some of the the matchups I'd be most intrigued by if I'm the Suns because you can use Aiton in that way, and I think that's one of the things he's best at defensively. And so that's a big strength, the fact that he's one of the matchup sort of switches you can go to that's that's going to be beneficial I mean that's not usually how we talk about Aiton so I want to give him some credit I think those teams the Suns uniquely are set up to succeed against Uh, I also want to give him some credit on the way that he's uh, handled bigger post players this year like guys that in the past he would have struggled with a little bit or who you might have listed as concerning matchups for the Suns I'm thinking especially about Denver, a team that, you know, Jokic just, I mean, you're not going to stop Jokic, and this year he's even better than before, but 
Aiton did a really good job. I mean, he fouled out, which is a mistake, of course, but for the most part, Aiton did an excellent job defending Nikola Jokic. I mean, he made him work. He made him, you know, attack the offensive glass and really get out of his usual comfort zone. Like, Jokic can get a 30-point triple-double in his sleep effectively at this point. But Aiton really made him have to earn that, and that's about all you can do. And I think that he deserves some credit for that too. Like those guys don't walk all over him like they used to. Um, Joel Embiid, pretty similar. Like the, they beat the Sixers. I, I like if you can beat the Sixers and you know not have Embiid just destroy you. I think you that's a job well done in my book. So I want to give Aiton some credit there. On the other hand, you know. I, I really feel like if you if if the other team has a good post defender, you're gonna run into some trouble. You know, I think that that, that Philly matchup is interesting to me and I, I I can't remember if they play Philly again with this weird schedule. Yeah, at Philly on April twenty first will be a game I'm really paying attention to. Not again so much because they could face the Sixers, but it's a really big test for Ayton and you know, they don't play Denver again in the second half. Denver would be another perfect example of this type of team, one that they might actually have to face. So in lieu of that, it'll be this um, the Sixers game. I also think the Jazz game on April 30th is another example with Rudy Gobert. If the other team has a good post defender, I think that's where you start to worry because we see Aiton struggle because he's just not a polished offensive player yet. And I think that can trickle down, like I said in an episode a couple weeks ago about the emotional versus the physical with DeAndre Ayton. You can see emotionally he can start to unravel a bit when he is playing a, a player that just handles him physically really well. That doesn't it doesn't sit well with Ayton and I think you can see him start to get frustrated, get unengaged. It just it's hard and and that's understandable obviously when guys aren't playing well it can be hard to to remain consistent in the other parts of your game when one thing's not working so that would just be a challenge like a third-year big man or a very young big man who hasn't played a lot of NBA basketball all things considered is a weak link no matter who it is like you know last year think the the Miami Heat like you didn't know Bam Adebayo was going to do what he did until we saw it and that'll be what we're going through with DeAndre Ayton this playoffs and and it's just it's just a fact. I'm not saying I expect it to go poorly. It's just, you know, you can bet that opposing teams are going to game plan to try to see what they can get away with against him, see if they can get in his head, see if they can adjust and make him fail. And so those those are some of what I'm looking at. I think dominant defensive big men on the opposing team will be a challenge. Fortunately, not a ton of those. We'll get into that in the next segment. So not something necessarily that's going to spell doom, but you know, the Jazz especially. And uh, that's obviously a team the Suns would have to go through if they want to, you know, make the conference finals or something like that, depending on how the seating works out. So that's that's a challenge. Um, Mikhail Bridges is the last guy I want to hit on. Obviously, these are sort of the Suns' three best players, three of the four. Chris Paul aside, I don't really think there's much you do to Chris Paul. I think we've seen him in the play- playoffs enough times on enough different teams in enough different situations that I don't really think there's much that needs to be concerned or or. or thought about really at all. Paul's going to do what he's going to do. Yes, there's maybe some point guard defenders that might give him trouble, maybe like a Patrick Beverly or Alex Caruso or name your DeJounte Murray, somebody like that. Uh, All things considered, though, Paul's going to do what he's going to do. Bridges is the guy that I'm most intrigued by because 
I want to be more specific about Bridges' defense. And I think it's, especially as we get closer to playoff time, we need to be more nuanced about this because I think we're, oh, you know, Mikhail Jail, put him in, you know, in in jail and add him to the list. We're all going to tweet Mikhail Bridges and have him go viral. I'm all for that. I think the guy's incredible. I think he's, you know, in his third season already probably better than I would have thought or at least keeping pace with my high expectations for him. I think he's going to be a big part of how the Suns win in the playoffs. That all said, there are player types that I think he can struggle against. That's just the reality. Like, there's just certain types of players that I don't think he's well-suited to defend. And even guys that I think he's had success against this season are, are good examples. I don't think you want him defending Steph Curry. Like if the Suns ended up for whatever reason, if the Warriors play really well in the second half or the Suns were to dip for whatever reason, I don't think you want him to do that. And it's not ideal because you also don't want Paul or Booker. Curry's just a handful to defend. It's a nightmare to try to keep up with him, to keep track of him, but it is what it is. Um, I would say additionally, like I'm not positive the Damian Lillard thing works again. Damon and Steph being very similar players. I don't think Mikhail Bridges is awesome going through screens. I think he still can be challenged by that against guys who come off of screens quickly and are a threat to shoot pull-up threes. There's a reason he's good against Luka Doncic because Luka is methodical. He's not uh, an elite, explosive, horizontal athlete. He's not a guy who's just going to blow by you into the paint you know he has a little bit more methodical to his game and that's the type of player like Jamal Murray is another example a guy who's able and willing and and good at coming off of a screen can shoot the pull-up three and is making you sort of guard him every inch in the half court you can't go under you can't ignore him off the ball all these different things Jamal Murray was not great because he was injured when the, when Denver was here in January. But that's the type of player, and so I think we need to be more specific rather than just you know oh you know Mikhail will lock down whoever the best opposing offensive player is. That's not really shown to be true, and so we just got to be more specific. That's all. We'll get into some teams to wrap up the show in the next segment, but first our final sponsor. You guessed it, betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We've got the Masters not too far away, but forget all of that. Focus on March Madness. Get in on the fun. Celebrate March. We didn't even get the tournament last year. You know, you know you're going to watch. You know you're going to be excited. Why not make it even better by checking out what BetOnline has to offer? They have real-time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, whether that's within the tournament, or even stuff like awards, TV shows, reality TV. We got that stuff in complete full swing right now. The Golden Globes are this weekend. I know the Grammys are coming up. I know the Oscars are coming up. If that's your thing, check that out as well. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Best way to place a bet, and best of all, free to sign up. So head to betonline.ag on the web or use your mobile device to download their app. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked on. That is all one word, the name of our network here. Again, go to the website betonline.ag, download the BetOnline app, sign up, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Closing out the show with some team-based matchup stuff for the NBA playoffs. 
from the perspective of the Phoenix Suns. Who are we worried about? Who are we not worried about if we look to the playoffs for this team? First, check out Locked On NBA Draft, our new show. I know a lot of you probably follow Mavs Draft on Twitter. He is one of the hosts of the show. They do a great job. They're also from the Draft Dummies podcast that is transferring to our network, Locked On NBA Draft. Great prospect breakdowns, mock drafts, rumors, trades, analysis, everything. If you are an NBA draft geek like I am, after years of following it from a Suns perspective, this is going to be your show. You got to find it wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe and listen every day. All right, team by team, I'm going to get you the one that I think is a a surprising maybe to some people uh, team to be worried about, frankly. So um, just to to break it down, because I think it's always worth reminding uh, everybody, the Suns are third in the NBA in net rating right now, behind only Utah and Milwaukee. You could make the case they're the second best team in the NBA as things stand right now, with the Lakers in a little bit of a lull, some uncertainty around Anthony Davis's health. They're now in the middle of the pack offensively in the league. The Clippers are in the middle of the pack defensively and are going through the umpteenth. They need a point guard news cycle, so. Milwaukee's on a run. They're getting Drew Holiday back probably after the All-Star break. Utah is just not slowing down at all. They're outpacing everybody by leaps and bounds. But the Suns are right there. And that's really impressive. So I just wanted to like state that, that the Suns are actually like when we talk about Western Conference Finals, when we talk about getting to the second round, it's not unrealistic and it's totally worth talking about. And anyone who is excited, I think, is totally within their right to be so. Um, and I, I'm glad that you guys are having this season. It's been awesome to be with you for it. That all said, if we look at the standings right now in the NBA, um, on, in, in the Western Conference, I, I think you can kind of read between the lines of what I've said in past segments of who I would be worried about. When we think about teams that can spread you out, that can play versatile, that can go big, that can go small, that have that depth and that uh, different sort of shape and size that they can do, it's obviously the LA Clippers. The Suns have just, yes, we know Booker hit the big shot in the bubble against them, but hey, the Suns blew out a lot of teams in the bubble. The fact that they needed that Booker shot against the Clippers, I think speaks to exactly what I'm saying. That team plays the Suns close every single time. The Suns beat them last November, again, because Booker went off. I don't think the Clippers have a player who can defend Devin Booker, so that's not the concern. It's just their offense is so it's just so impossible to deal with if they're right you know like come playoff time if they can keep Kawhi and Paul George healthy and that that team has its head on its shoulders again after a weird bubble like I don't I don't know what the Suns can do and that feels exactly what I was saying I'm not worried about defensive teams so much I'm worried about offensive teams that are shape-shifting and just a nightmare and that's exactly what the Clippers are so that's probably 1A. I mean, obviously the Lakers have to be in there. I think Anthony Davis just being the trump card and the Suns have nobody to guard LeBron James. They don't even have a guy who can kind of pretend. Yes, maybe you could say DeAndre Ayton. I'm I'm not I'm not buying that until we see it and we probably will have to wait until the second half of the year to see a healthy Lakers squad against this Suns team. And hopefully we get that cuz I think I want to see it as a measuring stick here, but I I'm not optimistic there. We'll just have to sort of see it before I have any firm thoughts. I'm not terribly worried about the Jazz, to be honest. Uh, Not because I don't think the Jazz are great. I really do respect what they've done. I think Rudy Gobert is perfectly fine come playoff time. That's not a concern to me. It's more, a lot of it to me is, 
I could just see a situation in which w- we see Utah trade Mitchell and Conley floaters and and like tough twos for threes. I I know the Jazz take a lot of threes as a team, but like I think that shrinks down a little bit. I think your best players are the the guys that take you home in the playoffs, and that's offensively for the Jazz is going to be a lot of Conley and a lot of Mitchell, and those guys in the clutch moments because they're smaller because they don't have elite pull-up threes, proven pull-up three-point shots, then it's going to be, you know, drive and get these floaters and these hard layups, these mid-range shots. That's just tough. I I don't believe in that quite that much. I think the Suns offensively would just be able to outscore the Jazz. So maybe that sounds silly with them being 27-7, and but that's where I am. The team that you should be a little more worried about, like I went through Denver, Golden State, I'm still kind of keeping an eye on those teams. I think Memphis has a run in them in the second half. But all of those teams aside, the one I would be really looking out for and kind of worried about, I actually don't think they're getting enough general praise this year. And for good reason, we all know this team tends to fly under the radar. It's the San Antonio Spurs. Suns fans need no reminder of that. But when you look at this roster, it's tailor-made to handle what the Suns do. Not only do they have a, an underrated defensive center in Jakob Pertl, who I think is is pretty solid player, and especially on defense, you know, just to protect the rim, handle DeAndre Ayton, um, be disciplined, all that stuff. They can also play small. Marcus Aldridge, not the player he was. He's been one of their worst players this year, surprisingly, but still, you know, a guy that can play a little bit smaller if they need him to. And all of that interior stuff pales in comparison to the wing depth and the perimeter defense that they have. Like if you're crafting a a guy who could potentially have some success defending Devin Booker, I think Keldon Johnson is who you might create in a lab. If you were getting a guy who you would want to guard, Chris Paul, DeJounte Murray might be the guy that you would uh, concoct in a lab. Like it's it's a deep team with a lot of guys like that. They have Lonnie Walker as well. They have Devin Vassell, the rookie, who's getting playing time in San Antonio, which should tell you everything. Um, I think that team could is the rare team that defensively I actually would be afraid of. I know I said I'm not focused too much on opposing defenses, but that's because there's not a lot of opposing defenses quite like the Spurs. They're only 10th right now on basketball reference defensively, but they're 6th in the cleaning the glass metric, which is actually just behind the Suns. And I just trust the Spurs defense more. I think they are better suited to be a playoff defense. And that just would worry me. I'm really fascinated to see those matchups. The Suns close the season with two against the Spurs. And that's those are going to be really big. And I, and I hope that the, the teams play all of their guys at that point. They also have one more at home on April 17th. That'll be a really big game. Uh, hopefully we have some, maybe some more fans in there. If things trend in the right direction, I would recommend get some tickets for that one. It should be really, really fun. It should tell us a lot about this team. So I'm worried about the Clippers and I'm really interested to see if, if the Spurs can do some damage because I think that could be a sneakily scary team in general, but especially against the Suns. And they're currently slated to play the Suns in the first round. 4-5 matchup right now is uh, is Spurs-Suns, which would be man quite a throwback um, to 2010, but not to mention to 2007 and all the rest. So we'll have to see how things break out. But honestly, guys, like, yes, the the Lakers, you know, 
I'm going to kind of put a pause on evaluating them too much until they get healthy. Um, but the Jazz don't terrify me all that much. And the Trailblazers, I don't think really worry me that much. Um, the Mavericks do not. The Pelicans, I don't think are consistent enough. And they're not even in the playoff mix right now. So it's looking okay. Like, you know, maybe Portland hops San Antonio and that's who the Suns face in the first round. And then if they get Utah in the second round, like you can dream, you can dream. Uh, I don't think it's crazy to do that. Uh, that should be it for us today, guys. I hope you appreciate the breakdown. It's nice to keep looking forward, especially as the standings hopefully solidify a little bit into the second half of the season. We'll have plenty more of halfway mark analysis in the coming week or so. We'll probably have some more draft talk with the tournaments going on. But until then, enjoy your Tuesday. I will be back with you after the buzzer of Suns-Lakers with a recap of that game. You can listen to that Tuesday night late if you stay up or Wednesday morning.